When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time once again for the Silver Bullets podcast. I'm Michael Citro. And I'm Chip Minnick. Chip, wouldn't you know it, this is the last show we're doing where we're not previewing an Ohio State game in 2023. Uh, the rest of the, the, pretty much the rest of the year, we'll be preparing for the next Ohio State game. And that's, that's phenomenal. Uh, the fact that we're in officially in week zero, you know, as of you know, as of now, I mean, we actually, even though Ohio State is not going to be playing in any games next weekend, uh, we have football games to look forward to. So week zero is upon us. Yep. Now, of course, our listeners, welcome back. We're now weekly. You you got a new show last week. You get a new show every week through the end of the Ohio State season. And uh, we did our Big Ten West predictions last week. And you and I, Chip, we were in lockstep all the way down. Yeah, which is I I was surprised by that. And tell you the truth, I will be very surprised if we are in lockstep for the Big Ten East predictions, which we'll be doing later on in the show. Yeah, we're going to do those in the second half of the show. We're, of course, going to uh, go from the bottom up and we'll see how we did. Maybe we've got uh, maybe we're going to maybe we're going to be unanimous all the way down in both sides of the big 10 this year who knows i I, it stranger things have happened i would just be tremendously surprised if that is the case yeah i don't think we ever have done that but um (laughs) that should be fun all right there is some news to get to on the ohio state side and some of it is bad and some of it is good as is always the case uh let's get the bad out of the way chip first let's talk about tight end bennett christian I believe he's a sophomore. He was uh, he's out for the 2023 season because he tested positive for a banned substance. Come on, man. Well, I'm I, the thing that that surprised me about this is the, the announcement that I guess that he tested for this in January. I th- I believe that's what I I maybe I miss maybe I miss mis- misread that, but that he had tested for this in January. So the question I would have is why wasn't he withheld from spring practice and you know all of fall camp all of these things if if he was going to be banned for the 2023 season and yeah i mean it's it's tremendously unfortunate um i i do give bennett christian a lot of credit i read his his statement he is he is truly sorry and repentant uh he wants to make sure that anyone else on the team that they don't make the same mistake uh you know so coach day did not seem to you know be too irate um when i was able to listen to the press conference but yeah like that's the confusing part to me is like if if it if he tested positive early why was he allowed to participate in spring football well maybe it's just the process of how things happen we we talked last week about jim harbaugh's suspension uh, not being uh, approved by the disciplinary committee, so or the rules rule uh, committee on rules of infractions or whatever, uh, it and it gets pushed all the way to next year on whether or not he's going to be suspended or whatever. So this is just the wheels of college football don't turn as quickly as you would expect them to turn. Maybe no, that's a really good point. I never thought of it that way, and perhaps behind the scenes there were. There were moves and mm-hmm. procedures by Ohio appeals State to things like yeah, that. appeals yeah. exactly. Maybe to a try and get test or something, right? To try and get Bennett Christian uh, reinstated, and maybe those appeals didn't work. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see. And and uh, I'm going to take Bennett Christian at his word that he is going to learn from this and come back next year ready to go. Uh, really bad news for court Williams Two 
or the second, I don't know how you say that these days. It's weird seeing a number on the end of someone's name, but Court is out for the season for 2023 with a torn ACL. He has uh, struggled with some injuries. This is not good for him, but um, we all we can do is hope that he has a, a speedy recovery and and a f- complete recovery because ACLs are are difficult to come back from. They are, and unfortunately, I mean he's he's been he's just been struck by by bad fortune with with injuries during his time in Columbus. Uh, the fact that he was a captain last year spoke volumes about how his teammates and coaches, you know, the the respect that they have for him as an individual. He had moved recently from safety to linebacker, and there was a lot of hope that perhaps this position would suit him better. But like you said, that ACL injury knocked him out for 2023. He was already going to be playing as a graduate student. He already has his degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is which is the primary thing that you want for any of these young men and young men associated in the program to to get their degree. So that's the 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 positive. But yeah, it is unfortunate that injuries have have truly impacted his his career on the playing field. Yeah, and that's important what you just mentioned, the degree, because when you do have these injuries that may spell doom for your for your prospects as a professional player. The important thing is you do have that education to fall back on. Absolutely. That's 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 the one thing is that Ohio State does a really good job of uh, obviously within the re- recruiting, you know, recruiting high talent, um, developing it, but impressing upon all of these young men, hey, you are here to get your degree and no matter how long it takes, because uh, obviously, you know, they don't want to stand in the way of somebody being able to play professionally if 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 it's in the cards. Uh, but they have set up a tremendous system there where players can come back, get their degree, work on it. Well, Court Williams II already has fulfilled that part, which is which is tremendous. Yeah, fantastic. So uh, speedy recovery from us to Court, and uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully next year, you know, a, a medical redshirt, maybe still salvage uh, his collegiate career, and and you know, maybe uh, flash for somebody at the next level. We'll see. We'll see what I obviously, I mean, the it's still the news is still relatively fresh and decisions as to how to proceed have not been yet released. But like you said, hopefully a, a speedy recovery and we wish nothing but the best for him. All right, Chip, let's turn our attention to better news. Yes. <laughs> uh, we got some captains for 2023 and it's it's not the same nonsense. We've got normal captains this year. Um, Cade Stover, Stover, Tommy Eichenberg, and Xavier Johnson named captains. And Xavier Johnson also uh, earns the Block O jersey for 2023. Uh, I'm excited about this. You've got leadership type guys in those roles, not a recurring um, merry-go-round, rotating or musical chairs, whatever you want to use as a metaphor uh, for the uh, for the the captains at Ohio State this year, I like it better when you know who the captains are. They're the same guys every week, and and they are your leaders. I agree with you. No disrespect to former <clears throat> Ohio State head coach Urban Meyer. Uh, he was of the mindset that the more captains, the better. And like you said, it, it in it just in my estimation, I think it just did not lend itself well to true leadership. Um, you know, within within the team, uh, you know, to have you know the same individuals out there week in week out for the 2023 season, I think it will suit suit the team better. Um, I happened to listen to uh, the call made from James Laurinaitis uh, to Tommy Eichenberg's mother to announce that that Tommy had been selected as a two time captain uh, that he had received more votes than anyone that he had 20, 20 votes more than, you know, the, the next individual, whoever that might be, um, having met Tommy Eichenberg's parents, congratulations. You must be extremely proud and congratulations, obviously to, to Cade Stober and, and Xavier Johnson. I think they, they will be tremendous captains for Ohio state as well. Yeah. I, I like it. I think these guys are, they have seemed to be leaders. I'm of the mind though, that, uh, you know, we, that old line about if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. If you have 10 captains, you don't really have a captain. I, that, I, I completely agree. I think, I think you're on to something there. 
So you you know who those guys are. They're going to be your leaders. They're going to be there all season leading the team. And you know that's what you need. And and I think these seem to be the right guys. So congratulations to those three. And congratulations to Xavier Johnson for getting that block. Oh, I can't think of anybody more deserving on this roster. Anybody who's worked hard, been willing to do whatever he's asked to do, has you know given anything he can to help the team, special teams, wide receiver, running back, anything. Uh, than Xavier Johnson. And let's not forget, he started out as as a walk-on. Uh, the fact that he earned his scholarship uh, deservedly. So like you said, for all of the roles that he has been willing to play, that, that he has played, probably will play, let's face it, it, you know, the upcoming season, you know, he his versatility is, I think, one of his one of his underrated strengths. Um, the fact that uh he it definitely, I think he personifies, you know, kind of what that, you know, what that block O jersey represents. So I think that it's a tremendous uh, piece of recognition for him. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he does this coming season. You know, Chip, the only bad thing is that it can't be an X jersey. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But we'll take we'll take the block O as as it is. I, I think that's, you know, that's uh, the fact that. You know, so many, um, you know, I, I think back to the fact that, you know, years ago there was no, you know, let number zero allowed for jerseys when the NCAA started allowing that. I like the way Ohio State makes it something that you have to be, that you have to earn, that you have to be kind of nominated and and uh, it's not something that you can request. You know, yeah. let's face it. I think I think that block O jersey truly the way that Ohio State does it, I think it it does make it much more special. Yeah, it just would be cool to be an X because his name <laughs> starts with an X. He's the X factor for Ohio State. So, uh, yep. but yeah, it wouldn't make any sense at Ohio State uh, to have an X. So <laughs> the block O is fine. Um, we got some more black stripe removals, a bunch of them since last week, Chip, a bunch of them. Uh, starting on August 15th, we had wide receiver Bryson Rogers, a freshman and cornerback Jermaine Matthews Jr., another freshman. They got their black stripes removed from their helmets to become official Buckeyes. Uh, then on the 16th, a couple more, Lorenzo Styles Jr. Uh, gets the black stripe off, and uh, wide receiver David Adolph, uh, a redshirt freshman, lost his black stripe as well. Then on the 19th, uh, Noah Rogers, another wide receiver, freshman, and freshman defensive tackle Caden McDonald. So uh, six more official Buckeyes as we head into uh, week zero here. So speaking about the wide receivers, and let's face it, I, I, you know, it's such a it's such a stacked room. Uh, you know, when you think about the the returning players that you know that when you think about obviously, um, you know, with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Julian Fleming, and you know, I, I mean, it's it's just one of these things, you know, where Emeka Vuka, the, the starters are are well known, well established, but the fact that like you said, that they are they are ready to be called upon. Bryson Rogers, Noah Rogers, different spelling of the last name Rogers. Bryson has a D um, in his last name of Rogers. Um, I think Bryson Rogers is one of these guys who is kind of fallen under the radar, uh, you know, with all of the hype within the wide receiver room. But the mm -hmm. fact that he he got that black stripe removal, I think that speaks volumes. Noah Rogers, we saw some some really good things from him in the spring game. We'll see how much playing time either of them get uh, in the you know in the coming season. With like I said, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of talent in that room. So I mean, whatever kind of playing time that they get, they, they definitely have to take the take in uh, the most of those opportunities when they are presented. As far as Lorenzo Styles Jr., uh, that one is a, a, certainly a pleasant surprise, considering the fact that he came in, uh, you know, after spring football. Uh, the fact that he is a converted wide receiver to defensive back mm -hmm. when it came to his recruitment, he was Ohio state had said, we really think that you are a better long-term defensive back prospect. He preferred to play wide receiver, which is why he went to Notre Dame, then decided to come back to Ohio state uh, to, for the opportunity to play with his brother. And, and I, I'm just going to say for the program that he probably grew up rooting for the, considering that his father, Lorenzo Stiles senior, was a star linebacker making me feel old 30 years ago, <laughs> uh, remembering, remembering that. Uh, so I think, 
you know, all of the all the black stripes or I think that I, I a moment ago, I kind of was saying, you know, like some of the things that Urban Meyer did with like too many captains, definitely the black stripe removal tradition that he started as the head coach that Ryan Day has continued. I, I love this tradition because, again, I think it, it definitely gives fans like you and me and any of our listeners. OK, you know, these are the these are the names that you should start to get familiar with, if not for the up, 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 upcoming season you know, for seasons to come, because these, th- these are the, the new talent um, pieces that are coming into the program. Yeah. It really serves as a barometer for those of us who don't get to watch practice every day. How, and we always wonder, how are these guys doing? And this tells you how they're doing. They're doing really well. And I mean, we're recording this the, the day after what was the second you know, pretty intense scrimmage. Like you said, you know, we're not privy to seeing it. It's not something that Ohio State likes to, you know, say, oh yeah, like this guy did did great or this guy did not, um, understandably. But yeah, I mean, it's not completely coincidental that after the second scrimmage, you know, we, we talked about Xavier Johnson being awarded the block O, the captains being named. So obviously like these kind of little pieces these little morsels of information that that you get like you said the the black stripe removals give us some kind of an idea as to how camp and how these players are progressing yeah uh you mentioned the receivers and it's great to, that you did because you know they're obviously the the big name is carnell tate um but at one point the big name was emeka Ibuka. And even though the famous name was Marvin Harrison Jr., I, I believe Ibuka was the higher-rated recruit. Am I am I correct in that? Oh, you are correct in that. It's it is for all of the hype around Marvin Harrison Jr. and it's deserved. Let's face it. I mean, the, the kind of performances that we have grown accustomed to seeing from Marvin Harrison Jr. I think there was there was you know, more hype around Emeka Igbuka on the recruiting side. And that's not to say, I mean, Emeka Igbuka is being projected as a first round draft choice. It's just that Marvin Harrison Jr. is projected as a higher first round draft choice. Uh, But yeah, I think if anything, it just kind of speaks to, and I'm just on the recruiting side of things that, yeah, there's, there's often recruiting rankings, but until they get on campus and until they're competing against players, just as, talented if not more so than them and having to to compete against uh some of the some of the best players in the country um you know we don't know really what what we're going to get and that's why you know circling back to this whole black stripe thing that okay like the, the players themselves are saying to the coaches yeah this guy's ready we can count on him if if we need to put him in for game time yeah and that's the thing too is that you you can't sleep on the receivers who are maybe not the the higher uh, recruits. We've we've already learned that at Ohio State, uh, these guys are all extremely talented. Uh, Brian Hartline's just done an incredible job. Like the the true meaning of the word incredible, unable to be believed, incredible uh, <laughs> at recruiting these this position. And these these guys are all very very talented. So even though Carnell Tate may be the highest uh, ranked recruit. That doesn't necessarily mean he'll end up with the best career at Ohio State of these freshmen. Right. And I mean, Carnell Tate, I mean, he has he had his black stripe removed mm-hmm. uh, in the spring. So he's he definitely falls in that category of, all right, we can count on him. We saw flashes of greatness during the spring um, when when the black stripe was removed. Um, you know, like we'll see, uh, you know, happily, I, I'm happy to say we'll see in less than two weeks. Uh, you know, in terms of what kind of talent Ohio State has on the field when they kick off their season. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Is Caden McDonald the first of the true freshmen um, who came in in the summer rather than the spring to get his black stripe removed? That That's an excellent point. Very good point. I, I wouldn't have thought of it until you brought it up, but you're absolutely correct. Yeah, Caden McDonald didn't participate. In, in spring football. So the, the mere fact along the interior defensive line, which again is, you know, you're not used to seeing crew freshmen being able to come in and, you know, play against guys that are not only older, possibly heavier, stronger, et cetera, along the, along the offensive line, uh, be able to turn some heads 
makes plays obviously that within within the practice realm. So yeah, the fact that he came in in June and has already through summer conditioning and fall camp done enough to warrant his black stripe removal. I think that speaks speaks very highly about him and his future. Yeah, that's good. Congratulations to all of those young men. And uh, we look forward to seeing uh, how many snaps they get this year. Yeah. And we'll, like you said, it's a lot of black stripes were removed this past week. I have no doubt this upcoming week will probably read about more. Uh, you know, it just really depends on how, how the practices are going. Yeah. Now, last, uh, last thing we should mention about the black stripes is that we are recording this on Sunday, the 20th. So by the time this drops, this uh, episode drops, there might be more black stripes removed. There might be more black stripes removed. There might be some more announcements in terms of who's going to be starting, because that's kind of the 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 news that is dominating social media right now. The the suspense about who's going to be the starting quarterback or you know the offensive line, which we've talked about. You know, are different people going to be starting uh, than we had anticipated? So mm-hmm. it it's definitely you know the kind of thing where you can tell we're getting closer and closer to kickoff. Yeah, and we should get a quarterback announcement soon, uh, I would expect, because uh, we are heading towards uh, the first week of the Ohio State season, even though some other teams will be getting uh, getting underway before Ohio State. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But uh, that's the one that everybody's waiting for. We know that uh, Ryan Day hasn't named a starter yet, but uh, as we're recording this, but he will soon. And um, you know, Kyle McCord and and Devin Brown having a heck of a battle from what you know, we're, is being reported from the camps. It is being, I mean, it, it's interesting to, you know, there are a lot of people with different perspectives and angles. Like you said, you know, we're not privy to, to watching the, the practice. Uh, my sincere belief is that Ryan day has demonstrated to me that over the last three quarterbacks, you know, the fact that he was able to take three different individuals with different skill sets and transform them into first round draft choices. I'm going to be quite comfortable with whatever the decision is. I think no matter, you know, I, I know some people are trying to infer one, one player is ahead of the other. And and I'm not saying that that's, that's not, you know, that's not something that, that people should be doing is, it's just, I'm, I'm more of the mindset of, all right, the, the coaches are the ones that are truly, charting and scouting every single throw and watching all the practice snaps and have a better feel for uh, whoever is probably best suited to serve as the starting quarterback for Ohio State than any of us fans. Yeah. All right. Speaking of quarterbacks, that's a good segue, Chip, because uh, I don't know how you spent your weekend this weekend, but I watched a little high school football on Friday night and I got to see future Buckeye Air Noland in a big Georgia high school, uh, I guess class six or, or uh, division six, however, whatever you want to call it, um, battle Langston Hughes against Carrollton and uh, two of the best quarterbacks in the country uh, facing off in that game. And a little bit of a slow start for Aaron Nolan and Aaron Nolan's team eventually won the game. He threw a, the winning touchdown pass in the final minute of the game, but it was, it was interesting watching him play. He is, he's built like Cardale Jones. Um, and my takeaways, I think really from this, from this performance, it wasn't a, a stellar performance, but both of these teams are, are elite programs and, and, uh, expected to battle for state title. Uh, so it's not surprising. They also have good defenses, but my takeaway from this is that the kid has an incredibly strong arm. He's big and hard to bring down. He's very poised and is able to improvise in a way that few quarterbacks can. I mean, he threw one pass that he completed. It it looked like one of those Patrick Mahomes things where it's like, what are you even doing? Oh, good job. (laughs) You know? And, uh, and his mechanics though, uh, that's what scares me because if Ryan day tries to mess with those mechanics, uh, you don't want it to, you don't want the, sometimes that doesn't go the right way. Sometimes you just got to let the, uh, the quarterback have whatever mechanics that he's developed by that point uh, because messing with them, you know, makes them uncomfortable. But that will be the interesting thing for me is how to, how, how does Aaron, uh, Aaron Nolan 
um, develop his mechanics in, in the coming years. That was the one thing I saw that I went, that doesn't look smooth. It's working, but it just doesn't look right. Well, like you said, hopefully Ryan Day will not tinker too much with obviously what has worked for Aaron Nolan up until this point. You know, there's always room for improvement. I just said it a moment ago. I, I trust Ryan Day and the coaching staff to uh, develop that talent, which they which they have done with with all the quarterbacks that have come through ever since Ryan Day came into the program back in 2017. Mm-hmm. The thing that I, I I saw, you know, just some of the highlights. Obviously, I saw the you were talking about the winning touchdown. I saw saw that play. Um, I agree with you about the the strong arm because of again with social media some of the some of the passes that I saw. I think what is going to be interesting is when you talk about needing to adjust his mechanics, the fact that Aaron Nolan is a lefty mm-hmm. and all right, when you are, let's face it, you have your entire quarterback room, everyone except Aaron Nolan is our right-handed passers. Mm-hmm. What does that do in terms of, all right, how would we need to possibly adjust the, the tackle situation? Because your stereotypical Right-handed passer, you want your your best pass blocker to be at left tackle. Well, if Aaron Nolan were to emerge as Ohio State starter down the road, putting your best quarter your your best tackle would be at right right tackle. I mean, considering the fact that you're a Miami Dolphins fan, I'm sure you can relate to the fact, you know how uh, that uh, Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, it's the same kind of concept, you know, for, for with Miami. Yeah, you need a good uh, you need a good pass blocking right tackle. Uh, I mean, ideally, you have two great pass blocking tackles, right? That's the that's that's what everybody shoots for. But the the stud guy is almost always the left tackle. You always put him at left tackle. But in you know down the road, if Aaron Nolan becomes the starter, you're going to want that to be the right tackle, your best guy. You want that that guy to be on the right. Doesn't necessarily mean that the person is is that is the best tackle on the team is suited to play on the right. Cause a lot of it is your footwork and your footwork can be affected when you change sides of the field. Precisely. So it'll, it'll be fun to watch, but I let's see if can Ryan day develop a, a lefty. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see starting. I, I I'm guessing he's going to be an early enrollee. We'll start to, you know, get an idea. Um, you know, in terms of next spring, uh, you know, getting a feel for it. But again, I want to, I want to savor 2023 season. Uh, like I said last week and, and nothing has changed my thoughts on this. We have to figure a way to slow it down because mm-hmm. you and I both know that the season goes by way too fast. Yes. We will talk about it. The, the, our, our last show of the season, we will say, where did the time go? Where did oh. it, it just feels like we just started this thing. We, exactly. We do it every every year. Um, did you get to watch any high school football this weekend, Chip? Not this weekend. I did not. I um, had thought about going up to see Avon Lake uh, play Strongsville. You know, in Avon Lake, with you know being the the home of former Ohio State linebacker Mike DeAndrea. Uh, even though he didn't put it down uh, and didn't play for Avon Lake, it's also the hometown of of Ohio, uh, former Ohio state wide receiver, Anthony Gonzalez. He played for Cleveland St. Ignatius, which is about a half hour away. Um, there's a offensive lineman by the name of, of Max uh, Riley, who is being recruited by Ohio state. He's only a sophomore and has already garnered an Ohio state scholarship offer. So that just kind of speaks volumes about the, the talent and the potential that that Ohio State sees in this young man. So I definitely want to get up to a game. I just didn't happen to have an opportunity to do it this past Friday. Yeah. All right. Well, there's plenty of time. Uh, got the yep. whole season ahead of us here. I'm sure you'll make it out for some Friday night lights this year. Absolutely. All right, Chip. We've still got our Big Ten East predictions to get to. But for that, we'll take a quick break and we'll get to those predictions right after this. Chip, we are back. It is time for us to look at Ohio State's side of the Big Ten. And this is going to be an interesting one to see if you and I are in lockstep in the East the way we were in the West. So we're going to start at the bottom like we did last week. And I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm going to give you mine and then you can tell me yours. 
I got Rutgers last. Wow. We are already divergent. Okay. We are already divergent. Um, I'm going with Indiana last. Okay. But I'll let you, I'll let you explain your that rationale. Was, it for was a tough those. decision between those two for me. Uh, and there were two, there were really three difficult decision points in the East for me. And, uh, and this was one of them, whether to put um, Rutgers or Indiana last. I think that Indiana is going to struggle. Don't get me wrong. I think they're going to struggle. Rutgers um, has to go to Indiana. So that's where I think the last place game is, is going to, the last place team in the East is going to come from is the loser of that game. I just think that Rutgers will lose at Indiana. I think being at home, Indiana will have the upper hand in that game. And I think that's what it's going to come down to. And therefore I've got Rutgers finishing below, uh, below the Hoosiers They're They've got a Rutgers has to go to Indiana, go to Iowa, go to Michigan. They've got to go to Penn state. They've got to go to Wisconsin. Their home games are Northwestern, Ohio state, Michigan state, and Maryland. Maybe they beat Northwestern. I don't see them winning a lot of games at home, even other than the Northwestern game. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I had Indiana last for a lot of the, the same reasons that you just kind of gave with Rutgers. I, I will say that, you know, for example, um, this is not going to be a shocker. Um, I, I don't see Indiana uh, breaking the the 35 year drought um, uh, against Ohio state. Uh, you know, when, when the season kicks off uh, in a couple of weeks. So the, uh, the, the winnable games for, for Indiana that I see, they, they play Indiana state. So an F- FCS opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, of course that doesn't affect the big 10. That's correct. I think that they can, they can probably beat Akron, but Joe Moorhead has been known to, you know, when he was at Penn State as the offensive coordinator, I think being able to, you know, get the most out of the talent that he has, um, we'll see. I mean, like that wouldn't that would not surprise me. I think you know Joe Moorhead is is you know just locally, I think trying to do what he can with a lot of uh, the Ohio talent that he's been able to either recruit or attract. Um, but then you know when it comes to like you said, you know, for Indiana. Being in being in the Big Ten East, I don't see how they would possibly stack up against their other opponents. I I can certainly see why you would think that Rutgers would be a game that they could win. I just haven't seen much of anything from Indiana ever since. Let's face it, the COVID season of 2020 was their mm-hmm. high mark. Um, they they've been cycling through quarterbacks. I think they just really need to get back to whatever was working for them. I don't know if it's a case of the, the talent not being developed. If they're, you know, when it comes to Indiana high school football, let's face it, it's not nearly the same uh, when it comes to Ohio high school football. So, you know, being able to attract players from uh, from Ohio, because that was traditionally what they would do is they would try to get guys from like the Cincinnati area um, and get them, to, to Bloomington. I don't know if that's, if that's fallen short, but I just see Indiana just really struggling this year. And we'll see, uh, you know, when we get together uh, talking with, you know, an Indiana beat writer kind of get an idea in terms of what they, what their pulse is on their, on the program. That's a, a nice uh, subtle nudge at me to reach out to an Indiana beat writer to get them on the show. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I think Indiana and Rutgers will both struggle. I honestly think that it just comes down to that game at Indiana between Indiana and Rutgers. And I think Indiana being the home team might just help them get over the hump in that game. I have them only beating Indiana State, Akron, and Rutgers on their schedule. They've got a brutal schedule like Rutgers. They've got to go. Uh, they host Louisville. They've got to go to Illinois. They've got to go to Maryland. They've got to go to Michigan. They got to go to Penn State, uh, and they got to go to Purdue. Uh, they host Ohio State. I already mentioned Louisville, uh, Wisconsin, and Michigan State. I could see Michigan State slipping up against Indiana. 
but they would have to play a pretty bad game to do that. Right. I mean, it's definitely Michigan State is one of those programs, you know, uh, on the previous episode, I talked about how with the Big Ten Network, they're going around to the different programs, uh, you know, trying to, you know, with with regards to like fall camp visits and and Ohio State already had theirs. And well, Michigan State just had theirs recently. And on social media, they the coaches, Gary DiNardo and Howard Griffith, they, they were saying that Michigan State has definitely improved. Um, from where they were a year ago, we'll see. I mean, the, the possibility for a slip up by any of these teams is always there. Yeah. So I had Indiana in sixth. I'm guessing you put Rutgers there. Yeah, I do. Um, Rutgers. When I look at their schedule, like I said, I mean, it's it's you know they. I think Indiana's schedule is tough. Rutgers. When I look at it, all right, they have obviously you know like the. It's one of these things where I think that they will beat Northwestern considering all of the 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 issues that Northwestern is working through. Um, I think they can beat Temple. I think they can beat Virginia Tech because again, like there's there's just a lot of things going on at Virginia Tech. There was a recent article about you know it, how much that program has fallen ever since Frank Beamer uh, retired and they just have really kind of fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you look at all right, if they, if they are three and zero in the non conference, and then they play Wagner, there's four. We were just talking about the possibility of possibly getting a game against Michigan State, winning that game at Indiana. Like I think that I I I definitely have a better feel for what the ceiling is for Rutgers. I think like that magic six number is always gonna it's always gonna be there for Rutgers, especially when we're talking about within the concept of the Big Ten East division, uh, I think that that they need to steal that game against Michigan State. They have to win that game at Indiana to get to that Magic Six number because I think they're heavily counting upon their non-conference schedule to be what is is going to be able to just get them past that Magic Six number. Mm. All right. Well, so six seven was my one of my three difficult decision points. And the next one is upon us now because my uh, my four five decision was a difficult one. I'm going to let you go first on this one. Tell me who's ranked fifth in the East or who you predict will finish fifth in the East. Well, we just kind of alluded to them. I'm going to go with Michigan State. Um, I know that I just said, hey, the um, improvement. Um, I know that there have been a lot of people, um, you know, kind of taking shots um about you know Michigan State like they had you know with Mel Tucker they had that great year you know with all of the the guys that they brought in via the transfer portal they used the transfer portal a lot this offseason I I just think that Michigan State um when I look at their when I when I look at their schedule I mean it, it you want to talk about okay where I see definitely five losses uh you know for example they they play Washington um I, I definitely think that they will lose to Maryland. I think that they will lose to Michigan, lose at Ohio State, lose to Penn State. Right, right there. There's five. So mm-hmm. I don't see how, you know, like they they have very little room for 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 error. Um, again, I think that their ceiling is more than likely going to probably be around that that number six number. They might be able to like like we were just talking about, you know, like the Rutgers game, winning that one beating Indiana, like that's going to be, it's going to be vitally important that they win those games in order to get to the the sixth number for their bowl eligibility. Yeah. I do see a path potentially to six wins for the Spartans. Um, They got central Michigan and Richmond. They win at Indiana. Um, They beat Rutgers and they'd have to win two home games that are going to be difficult for them, Maryland and Nebraska. If they can win those games, they get the bowl eligibility. That's six wins. Uh, but you're right. They do play at Iowa. They host Michigan. Don't see them beating any, either of those teams, even though that's Michigan game is a rivalry game. So you can't discount that uh, Michigan state has done well against Michigan, even in years that they've been bad. Uh, even since uh, 
Jim Harbaugh took over. So we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that. They go to Minnesota, they go to Ohio State, they host Penn State. So I don't see them winning any of those three games. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I have Michigan State in that same five hole. And uh, and the, that was the difficult decision point. The uh, The other team that I had vying for that spot and I gave them fourth is Maryland. Is that what you did as well? I did. Um, again, I think that Maryland is improving. Uh, I think, you know, when it comes to, uh, the fact that they, I mean, they gave Ohio state all Ohio state wanted last year. Uh, I think that the, the fact that Maryland, you know, returning, uh, Talia Tagovailoa, I think really helps them, uh, at that, at that crucial quarterback position. Uh, I, I see the three games, their non-conference uh, with, with Towson, Charlotte, Charlotte, and Virginia as three winnable games. We, we've been talking about Indiana. We've been talking about Rutgers uh, right there. Now you're up to five. You know, we, we were just talking about the Michigan State game. I think, I think they definitely have an easier path to bowl eligibility um, than, than Michigan State, which is why I, I put Maryland fourth. Yeah, a really easy non-conference schedule for Maryland. Um, Towson and Charlotte. Uh, Virginia might be difficult, but th- it's a home game. Uh, then they play Illinois at home, Indiana at home, uh, at Northwestern. Those should all be wins. Uh, at Rutgers is a winnable game. Uh, they go to Michigan State, go to Ohio State, host Penn State, go to Nebraska, go to Michigan. I think that's it right there. I think one, two, three, four, five, six, seven wins uh, for Maryland seems logical. And it, this is an important year for Talia Tungavailoa because he's going to have to prove that he can win games on the road. That's been his knock throughout his college career is that Maryland is difficult to beat in Maryland, but when they go on the road, they don't play like the same team. And a lot of that is the quarterback play. And let's face it. I mean, some of those, some of those road games, I mean, all right. At Northwestern is is you know like I said I think it's going to be a very long year in Northwestern mm-hmm. um, you know so for him to like you said elevate his performance on the road uh, we we talked about the fact that they have to go to Michigan State I know that they are coming to Ohio State and traditionally Ohio State has had their way with Maryland whenever they come into Ohio Stadium so we'll see I I definitely think though that um, Maryland they are going to rise or fall based upon the performance of uh, Talia Tagovailoa at quarterback on the offensive side of the ball. All right. Uh, at number three, Chip, I'm going to assume we've got the same team at number three. Tell me who your number three prediction is. I'm, I, I, this is where I'm throwing the curveball. Oh, yeah? I'm the curveball. Okay. okay. If if you and I agree on this one, that's going to be something. Okay. I, I have the Michigan Wolverines third. Wow. Yeah. You threw me for a loop there, Chip. <laughs> Okay, I figured I would. I figured I would. I even said at the very beginning of the show, I said, if we agree on that, that's going to be something. All right, right, show your work, Chip. Show your work. Why are they going to be third? Why are are the Michigan Wolverines going to be third? Because I believe what's going to happen is they're going to steamroll through their non-conference schedule. I think that they will be fine up until, and I'm looking at, so I've got the date precise, the date of November 11th when they go to Penn State. And I have a feeling that Penn State is going to beat them. And then two weeks later, with the pressure on, I think Ohio State goes into Ann Arbor and wins in Ann Arbor for the first time since the 2019 season. So that would mean two losses within the Big Ten. So that's why I have them third. All right, uh, I like your, uh, I like your pick. I do. I don't uh, necessarily agree with it, but I like it that Michigan has a ridiculously easy non-conference schedule. Just ridiculous. There's no reason for them to be playing East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green. I agree. I think that's it's going to, in a way, maybe this is you know not necessarily the the best comparison. I remember in 2015, Ohio State had kind of their their non-conference schedule was was very uninspiring. And Ohio State did not necessarily, you know, again, there was 
issues with the, the quarterback play and, and, and it all kind of culminated in that loss at home to Michigan state that knocked Ohio state out of the, the 14 playoff. Mm-hmm. I just think that when it comes to, when it comes to Michigan, not having any true true challenges. I think when they are finally faced with adversity, which I think is really going to happen, I, I realize it's a noon game in November and it'd be so much better if it was a night game in Penn State because we all know how difficult that is to to play. I just mm-hmm. think I, that Penn State's going to show up and and give Michigan their first loss and then the pressure is going to be on. We were just talking about Maryland. Um, I think that they'll have enough to, to win that on the road, but I think they'll that game against Ohio State will be winner take all for the Big Ten East, and I think Ohio State does it. All right, um, I have Penn State third, um, and that's probably what uh what I would have expect. I would expect most people to have some semblance of Ohio State, Michigan one two, and then Penn State third. Uh, I didn't really even have um, I didn't really even have a, a, any trouble with this one. This was the one spot I didn't uh, even question. I think Penn State is a lock for that third spot because I just think they are they always seem to be on the cusp of of getting to the next level and they just never seem to do it. And I don't know if that's a James Franklin thing or what, but it, I don't trust Penn State to beat Michigan even though that's a home game and and I just uh, every I don't know how many times I've rooted for that to happen and it hasn't happened. Um and it's the only time I ever root for Penn State is when they play Michigan. So I just don't trust them to do it. I've got um, I've got Penn State third. Uh, I just think that they are probably not going to lose many games. Um, they have they're going. I think they may lose just to Ohio State and Penn uh, Ohio State and Michigan. Um, and again, I just don't trust. I just I don't trust them to beat Michigan. I just don't. I think they're going to do fine. They play. Uh, West Virginia, Delaware, and UMass. That's a fairly easy non-conference schedule. They go to Illinois. Uh, they go to Michigan State, but I think they can win both of those games. Illinois might be a struggle for them for a half, but I think they'll be fine. They go to Maryland. Maryland, I don't think is at high enough level to even at home to beat Penn State. Um, and you know, then you've got your you've got I mean Northwestern and Rutgers. Those are going to be wins for Penn State. Mich- uh, I already mentioned Michigan State. Michigan's at home, um, but I still think Michigan beats them. They go to they they play Indiana and Iowa at home. So, I mean, I think that might be the only two games they lose is to the the two teams that many perceive are the top two teams in the Big Ten East. I agree that I think Penn State the the possibility of you know my my faith in Penn State. Uh, maybe misplaced in the fact that I have them second. Um, you know, I'm I'm banking a lot um, on Penn State. Uh, you know the development of Drew Aller to be, you know, a very good quarterback. I mean, I know that there's a lot of hype around him. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that at you you want to talk about established talent at running back, I think with uh, Nicholas Singleton, um, the sophomore running back that they've got a, a, a gem there. Uh, their offensive line returns you know, pretty much intact. Uh, the fact that they get uh, Michigan, like I said, that November game, I think that that's going to be, the, the the hype around that game is going to be tremendous. Um, I am not necessarily comfortable with when Penn State comes to Columbus in October. I think that's going to be, that's going to be a real tough game. I think Ohio State wins it. But I think it's gonna that game is gonna be really really tough. So I just again, we may look back on this when it's all said and done. Like how could you possibly have picked um, Penn State to beat Michigan? But again, I'm just going with the fact that I think that first test of adversity that Michigan is gonna face is gonna come in November, and I'm not sure that they're gonna be well prepared for it. Yeah. All right. So it looks like you've tipped your hand for the rest of your predictions uh, based on what you yep. said. So you've got you've got Penn State in the number two and Ohio state at one. That is correct. Um, I, you know, when it comes to Ohio state, I'm not entirely sure that there's not going to be a slip up along the way. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it would be highly, highly arrogant 
to say, oh, Ohio State's going to go undefeated. I What I like about this team, based on uh, what I've read and when I look at the schedule, I like the fact, I, I, I keep going back to the fact that there's challenges. I think with Ohio State, this team is not only going to respond to the challenges, but grow from them. And what I mean by that is, you know, we were talking about, we don't know who the starting quarterback is. And is the offensive line, you know, is it gelling and, and all these kind of things that are truly important? Well, what I like about the fact that, okay, they're going on the road to, let's face it, you know, a, a, an Indiana team that is probably, you know, going to finish, if not last uh, in the, in the division, you know, probably one of the worst teams within the conference, but that's a, that's a good opening test. And then they have the opportunity to go on the road to Notre Dame. Um, and I think that that's going to be a, a tough environment, but that's going to help. And the fact that throughout October, especially the, the game at Wisconsin, I'm, I'm really concerned about. I think all of these things help build the toughness that you need when you get into the November stretch run. And that's why I'm, I'm taking Ohio State to win the Big Ten East. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, and mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I do have Ohio State winning Big Ten East for the first time since 2019. Okay. Well, you've spelled out your reasoning uh, clearly. I, I struggled with the one and two slots. This is uh, this is where I'm falling on this uh, on this predictions thing. So what I see from Michigan is I see a team that has its arrogance back. They have their swagger. The last couple of years, they finally toppled mighty Ohio State. They they those games didn't even end up with close final scores. Although this past year was a little closer than what the final score really indicated. Just two big plays late and uh, it, and it made the score a little worse. But that goes a long way. That confidence goes a long way. And when when Michigan is arrogant and has its swagger, it's a different, it's a totally different team because they do have, you know, good recruiting classes. They do have uh, what, what do they call it? Comparable talent. Um, is that what Brian Day uses? The uh, when he talks about the talent levels being comparable. So, and at the same time, it knocks Ohio State's confidence down because now they're they're pressing. They're 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 need. They are the ones that need to to. Uh, respond to to come up with a response to that and i don't know if this is the year to do that because ohio state's going to have a first year starter at quarterback and the game's on the road those are are traditionally two uh pretty key factors in who wins the game you know who's whoever's got a first year starter has traditionally not done well and if you look at the long here, the long uh, series, the long uh, uh, rivalry uh, over the years, and you look at the home records, the home records pretty much speak for themselves. So I think those two reasons, I have trouble seeing Ohio State getting back to the good side of the rivalry this year. I think they may be one year away. I think I think they will be closer this year. I think it's going to be sort of a nail biter the whole time. But and show me you can beat them again. And Ryan no, Day, I, Ryan Day beat them the first time, has lost to them two straight times in games that were were not as close uh, as they should have been, and and maybe maybe they shouldn't have been close, but maybe the score should have been the other way. But at the same time, uh, Michigan has built a team that's capable of beating Ohio State, and they've shown that the last two years. And I, I just think that it may be one more year away. I mean. I, Maybe this is the '90s uh, in me, you know, the, the the John Cooper era guy in me that just doesn't trust, you know, the the rivalry doesn't doesn't trust that that Ohio State can get back on top of this rivalry easily because once you once you see you saw it the other way when once Ohio State got a toehold in this rivalry it was lopsided for years so uh, maybe I'm just a little nervous. No, I get that. And a quick point of clarification: I said a moment ago. Uh, about Ohio State for the first time since 2019, winning the, the Big Ten. I meant to say winning in Ann Arbor uh, mm. for the first time since 2019. Uh, they won the, the Big Ten in 2020. But getting back to your point about like the swagger and the arrogance and the toughness and what I I guess maybe it's it's too much of the Ohio State fan in me, but I truly believe that when Ohio State lost the way they did last year 
And then they were get, they they had a second chance thanks to Utah eliminating USC from the fourth playoff spot. Mm. And Ohio State, I think that they figured out, you know, we're, we're going to, even though they lost to Georgia, but they played aggressively and they played, you know, like Ryan Day did not play and, you know, uh, coach very, very uptight. So mm. I just think, those are the things I think Ohio State's going to go into this game with more of that kind of an attitude. And I think when it comes down to it, yeah, Michigan likes to play a very physical style of play, but I think Ohio State will be ready for it. I think Ohio State will be better tested throughout the season than Michigan will. And I, that's why I'm going with Ohio State to, to win for the for the first time in Ann Arbor since 2019. Well, I hope you're right. I hope I'm wrong, but um, <laughs> we both went with with what we think. And then yeah. that's what we're here to do. I, I, it makes me feel gross to pick Michigan to win the Big Ten East, but you know, I'm, I'm always a big believer that in college football, your quarterback means so much more. Uh, your quarterback can have such a, a dramatic change uh, on your team, and if it's Devin Brown, if it's Kyle McCord, they may be really great players. Uh, but their first time at the helm in the game is a different animal. It's a different kind of pressure. It's a different kind of intensity, and it, it makes it difficult. I would feel probably the way you feel if C.J. Stroud had returned. I get it. I understand. And the fact that no quarterback has been named the starter yet, and let's face it, I'm of the belief that kind of what Jim Trussell used to do, uh, you know, like I, I think that, he has to have them both ready to go. Like Jim Trussell would notoriously insert the backup in to early, you know, parts of the game, even when the game was still in doubt. Because mm -hmm. all right, we need we need to be ready to go. And I think that's something I've I've been very adamant that Ryan Day needs to be better with substitutions. That being the case, I think regardless of whether it is Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, I think by that time. I think that they will be much they will they will be much more prepared than if a game of the game's magnitude was right, you know, like two weeks from now. I think I think that no matter who's the starter, I think that Ohio State would be well prepared. All right. Well, we've got these things down. They are on record. We will see at the end of the season how we did it. And you know. Then one of us will have bragging rights, and that's uh, right, that's and hope, right. And I hope it's you, Chip. Quite well. Honest. I appreciate that. Well, like I said, I, 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 going into this recording, I'm, I was like, if if he agrees with all of my picks for the Big Ten East, that that would be amazing. I, I knew I was, I was kind of going on on a limb there, but when I started thinking about the November 11th game, the Michigan at Penn State, how crucial that will be within the realm of the Big Ten. Not to downplay anything that Ohio State's doing, I I just think that that is going to be pretty much going to be like a, a de facto elimination game. Yeah. Well, you and I only had Maryland and Michigan State in the same place in the East. There you after, go. After going seven for seven, uh, the same in the West. So maybe this means we know the East not as well as we know the West, <laughs> or maybe we maybe it means we don't know the West at all. I don't know. Well, I, I think it's more the more the latter. I mean, like <laughs> history has shown that we have never really done well in the West. Uh, and that's going to be let's let's embrace this last this upcoming season, not only for, like I said, because it always goes too fast. This last year with with divisions, I mean, it's it's going to really alter, you know, starting next year, the way that we look at college football seasons going forward. Yeah. Bring back divisions. I'm already calling for them, but bring it, bring it back. Uh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I don't ever want Ohio State and Michigan to play and then turn around and play in the championship game. I don't ever want that to happen. We shall see. Again, you know, we were, you know, people forget, and, and I'm not saying that your sentiment is 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 wrong. People were so 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 worried about this until uh, until we see it becoming an issue. I don't want to. I don't want to move the game. I think, you know, keeping it where it is and then, okay, if it starts to become, you know, year after year of an issue, then, then we can kind of revisit, you know, those discussions. But until then, let's keep the game at, at the end of November where it belongs. Yeah. 
but uh, also add two more Western teams and you got, you got a pretty easy, uh, pretty easy split in the division side. So we'll see how it goes, but that's, that's it. Those are our predictions. The only thing I really wanted to ask you before we get out of here, Chip is how many times a week do you just think, God, if Noah Ruggles had just made that field goal, <laughs> probably too many. Um, but then again, you know, like that's kind of, that's the, that is what I said to, um, when we were watching it, I, I said to my son who's 19 and, um, eventually will be at Ohio state. Uh, he's going to a local community college and he has designs on going to Ohio state eventually. But I kind of said to him, I said, this is what it means to, you know, like to invest emotionally within, within a program, you know, like to the degree that you and I, and probably our listeners do is like just the heartache, you know, of, uh, you know, like, oh yeah, you know, like if Noah Ruggles had made that kick, you know, how much better our off season would have been and the questions and all that kind of thing. But that's why we love college football you know, like yeah. the highs and the lows. Yeah. I can live with a, a few fewer lows. I think everyone can. Yeah, exactly. All right. And can the lows just stop being against SEC teams in Michigan? That's all I'm asking. Right. That's not, that's not asking too much. Not asking too much. All right. Uh, that's it for this episode, Chip, unless you had anything else in mind. No, um, again, enjoy week zero. Um, I know that there are games on different platforms starting next week. I know that, you know, for example, uh, Navy and Notre Dame are playing in Ireland. So that's a, you know, that's going to be, uh, in the afternoon. I, I can't recall, you know, the, the different platforms, uh, of the other games, but that one, I know I will definitely try to, to, to watch and then just. Keep your eyes and ears open for news coming out of Ohio State about black stripe removals, about mm-hmm. possible starters being named, all those kind of things. Because next thing you know, like we're in game week next week. Yep. Poor Northwestern. They didn't even get to go to Ireland this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, Northwestern, I think it it's this this might be this just might be a, a just kind of we'll go back to you know, the days of when they were like Northwestern, um, you know, how they were referred to derogatory in derogatory terms like that. I think this might be a really, really long year. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I am, I'm looking forward. I'm sure I will enjoy week zero much more than I enjoy Coke zero. I I just don't like (laughs) it. I think people say it tastes the same as Coke. It does not. It just doesn't taste the same. (laughs) I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm not a big fan of that either. (laughs) All right, Chip, where can people find you on the internet? Well, they can find me. I'm going to keep calling it Twitter. I don't care that there's a big X. It's always, Um, it's Twitter. It says, still says Twitter.com when I go there. Okay, so on Twitter, I can be found at Chip Minnick. Last name is spelled M-I-N-N-I-C-H. And I had uh, articles on Lang Grant Holy Land that looked back at the 2020 Ohio State recruiting class. Um, the last of those articles was dropped this past Friday, looking at the starters who emerged from that recruiting class, which I think was kind of an impressive uh, list of, of names. This coming week, look for an article about we kind of alluded to it with Caden McDonald, uh, the freshman players who have arrived on campus um, after spring ball, you know, and have just gone through you know, summer conditioning and fall camp and how they're doing. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike 36 fan. You can follow the silver bullets podcast on Twitter at silver bullets pod. No E in silver, just S I L V R bullets pod. And, uh, you know, I also write at Land Grant Holy Land. I my my stories drop just before lunchtime on Mondays. This week I wrote about a player to watch because we're doing player to watch month. And my player to watch for this week is Chip Tranum, your namesake, Chip. Uh, this is a guy <laughs> who I feel like has earned more snaps this year on the offense. Uh, he's of course has has to be ready. There talked about Travion Henderson looking how, like he's got his explosion back and all this stuff that we're hearing out of camp. You got Mayan Williams, you got Travion Henderson ahead of him. You got Dallin Hayden, maybe right about the same level as him, maybe slightly ahead. I think Chip Trayenum has earned more snaps, more carries this year. And he's a, he's a potentially very explosive player. And I 
kind of explained why I thought that in my uh, in my piece this week. So hopefully uh, folks will go and read that. I think this is a kid who, even if everybody stays healthy, he should get more carries in second halves of games when they're not close and and be ready because he could be that guy. If, if Anderson and Williams continue to have injury problems, he could end up being the guy. He had a very respectable 83-yard performance against Michigan, caught a couple of passes for about 15 more yards. And if the team hadn't uh, fallen behind by a couple scores, he probably gets 100 yards in the game. I agree with you. I think it's a nice, it, it is truly a nice problem for, for Ohio state to have, you know, we, I mean, you talked about, uh, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, uh, the fact that, okay, they, they're firmly entrenched as like, regardless of, you know, like one or two, or two, I mean, like they are, they're definitely, you know, in that, in that starter category. I think Chip Traynum is a tremendous talent, uh, to have, on the on the sidelines and this is just me i not to not to go too deep into what we'll be talking about uh next week with the game preview but i i agree with you i think trayanum is going to be more of a factor this coming year um offensively than than he was last year yeah and i think he'll be a special teams demon this year too certainly that that's a way to get noticed yeah all right we will be back next week we will be previewing chip Ohio State at Indiana. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right. So I guess I got to get busy finding us a guest to talk to the to talk to about the game. And in the meantime, everybody enjoy week zero and we will get ready for Ohio State's week one. And the only thing we have left to do here is to say, go Bucks. Go Bucks. <laughs>